0: Hi, good evening, Hello. everybody. Good morning. Good brunch. good brunch. I'm Jamie Baker. I'm Sarah Matthews. And this is Nurse Coffee Talk. Welcome, welcome everybody. welcome back. It's a rough couple of days. Sure is. Hopefully and you got all spooked out from the spooky stories. Did you guys pass out candy this year? No. I mean okay. I live in a city. A city where it wouldn't uh we don't really don't really do that. The buildings are all like divided into apartments and stuff. Oh, gotcha.
1: Well, we did go trick-or-treating, and I was very optimistic about it, and I was very pleasantly surprised.
0: Good. Do people have stuff? I know a lot of people did, like, tables and distant kind of options. Well, I saw someone had, like, a long grabber contraption worked, <laughs> worked out.
1: Yeah. So there were a couple things that people did that I thought was pretty creative. So, like, f- a few houses had, they had made pre-packaged, like, baggies of candy and they laid them out along in the grass along the sidewalk and then the kids could pick up one bag as they went down That's the cute. sidewalk.
0: That's a good idea. And
1: then a lot of people had the candy chutes. So big long tubes where they would shoot the candy out. <laughs>
0: made What were they made of? So it looks like a lot of them were made of like cardboard. I'm picturing like hamster living contraptions. Um, like on the office when he has tube city, when they have what <laughs> and tube city, I think is what's called.
1: I don't remember it's that a really
0: short blurb where Michael and Jim are trying to co run the office and uh-huh. Jim is trying to stop him from doing something. He goes, you owe me tube city. And Jim is like, I did stop him from running a system of tubes around the office so that <laughs> hamsters could run fr- freely through the office. So I guess, yes, I do owe him. I don't remember that episode. <laughs> I'm very sad. Although I was last night
1: just watching um, the conflict resolution episode. Oh, that's such a good one. I really want somebody to take all of Jim's pranks and and put them in a collaborative film. All of his pranks against Dwight. And in Conflict Resolution,
0: they list a bunch of
1: them. Half the show is him reviewing (laughs) the pranks he's pulled on Dwight. And I love it. I'm just like, oh my god, these are hilarious.
0: What is your favorite one?
1: I think when he comes in dressed as Dwight.
0: (laughs) Okay, that's a good one.
1: (laughs) That is a good one.
0: I like the one where he just talks about it, where he... It's like, today I smacked my in the head with my phone. I blame Jim Halpert.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, <laughs> yeah, well, that was one.
0: pretty easy. I just slowly <laughs> filled his phone receiver with nickels. And then nickels. one day it's I like, just took them all out.
1: The thing is, Jim's pranks on Dwight are so, like, methodically planned. Oh, yes, and, they're like, very. They take yes. so long. And there was, there's one that, um, oh, when they send his resume out. That one's a pretty good one. Or when they have him convinced that the CIA is recruiting him.
0: Tell tell all the secrets. (laughs) He's like waiting for the helicopter on the roof.
1: Yes. (laughs) So anyway, so Halloween went really well. What were the kids? My oldest was a ninja. And he only wants to be a ninja because it comes with, like, swords and throwing
0: stars sure, and stuff. Sure, sure,
1: And then my oldest daughter was a witch, and oh. we had to paint her face green, which she was super excited about. Fun. And then my baby was Elsa. Oh. She's obsessed with the Elsa braid. She's got, like, short brown curly hair, and she wears that Elsa braid like it's her own, and she gets really... <laughs> Like mad at you if you misplace it or take it. She doesn't want to take off the. El- she loves the feeling of this hair down her body. It's oh boy. bizarre. <laughs> I know. Because I'm like, girl, you're never gonna have a long. I braid. know you're, about you're this, never like, gonna curly have curly So
0: sorry. <laughs> or it's gonna have to be ridiculously long to be able to braid it like that.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Which
0: I mean, who knows? Who knows?
1: So anyway, it went well, and they got quite a haul. We trick or treat, you know, for an hour and a half. So at the end of the hour and a half, there were still a lot of people outside with candy, and they were just basically like, "Take as much as you want." And my my kids did, hey, boy. And
0: uh, we have quite a lot of candy in our house I right bet- now. I bet you, especially with three. Oh god, yeah, It's a lot.
1: Yeah, but my so my three year old, she I told you before how she like sniffs out candy in our house, right? Oh yeah. she's like she's like a drug dog, but for candy. <laughs> I swear to God, it doesn't matter where Do you, try you hide and it. Hide it.
0: She finds shit I didn't even know I had. Oh my gosh,
1: it's ridiculous. Her so hands anyway, are
0: just sneaking in there and come up with a Kit Kat, and you're like, where the oh, hell my god, did you god, find that? That's from exactly. last Halloween. Put that back.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So yesterday I was taking the girls to ballet and they wanted to take some candy. And I was like, I don't care. Cause they both have to sit for an hour while the other one's in class. So I was like, I don't care. Just throw it in the ballet bag. So my little one, she had this sweatshirt and it had two pockets in it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And she, I saw her putting candy in her pockets, whatever. And we get to ballet. I swear to God, this was the never ending candy pocket. She must have plowed through like 70 pieces of I mean not really 70. Okay, <laughs> A lot, real though. realistically probably 15 pieces of oh candy. Oh my god. It was like Laffy Taffy, Kit Kat, Snickers, bottle caps, Twizzlers, Skittle. I'm just like, "Where is all this coming from?" Like I didn't even know this <laughs> she, much could fit this in your pocket. Her
0: favorite day.
1: Her favorite day. Guaranteed. Oh my god. Yep. Mhm.
0: I was never mm. I liked Halloween. And I certainly like, liked and currently like candy, but it was mm. never, probably because I don't really like spooky stuff that much. So like it mm. never appealed to me because I grew up in a neighborhood where they would put a lot of scary shit out. And so it's like sure. every porch you would go to, you ran the risk of being scared. Uh, and like, <laughs> I just was not into <laughs> it at all. I was very nervous the whole time.
1: That's so funny because Halloween is one of my favorites. And I think because I loved the idea that you got to be somebody else. Mm-hmm. So you could be anything you wanted to be. All you had to do was dress the
0: part. My aunt and I would make my costumes together. She was really good at, at sewing. Mm-hmm. So we would have a whole ritual where we would go to the to you know fabric store. Sure, and they have all the little packets of uh templates and stuff mm-hmm. and we would have a ball like picking out what we wanted to be and it was just like the sky was the limit because it was just whatever and then we would pick out the fabric like every individual piece of it was unique because mm-hmm. you got to pick out like every detail of it from like the sure. type of the ribbon that's wrapped around it to, like, obviously the regular fabric itself and like the lining and the underskirt, like all the different. oh my god it was such a ball we had so much fun <laughs>
1: (laughs) See, how could you not love Halloween? Oh boy. Well, moving right along for our listeners, we're going to skip over election talk because it's just a polarizing issue and ain't nobody got time for that. Nope. Uh, Everybody can have their thoughts and they can go about their merry way. All right. Um, So happy election day, everybody. We do hope that you did vote whichever way you wanted to vote.
0: Although when they're listening to this... It will be a few days later. Yes. So it's not happy election day anymore. It's happy Friday. <laughs> well, it's not happy election day today. That's, I mean, true. That's the, true. The election was this week. I'm just saying
1: yes. happy election time. Happy, happy election time. So, okay. Well, we have a couple things to get into today. One of our listeners wrote in and I feel like we talked about something similar like this before. Sarah does not remember whatsoever.
0: I don't. I have no recollection of it. I don't know
1: why. So if this is duplicate... Sorry. Uh, we're really sorry. But it's a different writer and it's the same topic, so obviously... Either we talked about it so briefly and this person either didn't listen to that one, we didn't do it, or they're new or whatever. I don't know. Maybe We'll you talk about it again. What's that? Maybe you dreamt it. I did not dream. I did not dreamed it. <laughs> I did not dreamed it. Dude, I was not dream Wasn't it
0: a conversation you had with a real person? Yeah, you. <laughs> <laughs> then I don't know, Jamie. I don't know.
1: <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Whatever. Okay. They say that only 90% of your memory, or 90% of your memories are inaccurate. So, <laughs> who knows? That's a high percentage.
0: That's what they say. But also, yeah, you fill in the gaps, your brain closes, you know, whatever, and, like, immediate recall is terrible.
1: Yeah, and long-term recall is, too, is too because things shape your memories over time. and Oh, I mean,
0: I always, I listened actually to a podcast about this once, and this is a brief story, but the idea that two, like, siblings mm-hmm. of similar age yep. could be in a room together watching something happen and have a different recollection of how it went down later. That's incredible to me. Yep. I know. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy.
1: And both one is 100% certain that they're correct.
0: Right. Yeah. Anyway,
1: so we maybe we've talked about this. Maybe we haven't. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know.
0: Who knows? There's no memory because memories are inaccurate. <laughs> not, not up to 90%.
1: <laughs> That's not an anecdotal number. <laughs> <laughs> I got that from one of those, like, shows about the brain. Evidence-based. All right. Well, it's not my evidence-based. It's somebody's evidence-based. Well, sure. All right. Okay. What's your thoughts about, quote, passing on to the next shift That certain patients or families are very anxious, frustrating, rude, etc. Here's what happened that made me think about this. Who is this from? Oh, it's from S. Sorry. Hi, S. Hi, S. Here's what happened that made me think about this. We sit and report and the night nurse is like, ugh, this family was driving me crazy tonight. They never listen. They're so rude. Ugh, I'm so happy to be going home. Eh. Unquote. (laughs) Like, I get it. There is always those types of families, but I have a big problem with, ne- with having never met a patient and already having a bias before I even walk in the room. Even if you try not to have the bias, once the nurse says something like that, you are definitely going in with your guard up. She goes on to say, I feel like nurses could find this topic useful mostly because I don't think they realize that this is affecting patient care versus just venting about your shitty shift.
0: Yeah, I agree with that.
1: There's really only two sides to take. It either does affect you or it doesn't, or you should do it or you shouldn't do it. And my take on the matter is I try to tell people, like, if there's been a specific incident that was a challenge or things like that, like I had a run-in with the family that created a lot of controversy or turmoil on my unit or things like that, I will try to make them aware of a situation. I think it's probably really hard to leave out your feelings about it. Yeah. I almost always finish up and say, you know, maybe it's, maybe it was, like, a relational thing with me as their nurse. Maybe, maybe you guys will start with a fresh slate. You know, whatever.
0: I don't know. I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? Well, my first thought is specifically about her last point, and i think something we can all benefit from being a little bit more cognizant of is the way that you present information it impacts the way it's received sure and there's a self-fulfilling prophecy aspect of that of like when when you tell someone who they are Whether they're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed or bleary-eyed and hungover, Mm -hmm. they're coming in for a fresh shift. Mm -hmm. They have a likely long shift ahead of them. Mm -hmm. Even when it's a great shift, those days can feel long, right? So Mm -hmm. don't... When I've just opened my eyes and you're coming at me with how terrible my day is going to be, I'm not into that. Maybe it very well... It very well may be. And it may very well be for the exact same reason you had a terrible night. But it's almost like you're kind of not taking it out is is not accurate, I guess. But projecting your bad night onto someone's clean, fresh day or whatever shift we're talking about doesn't seem fair, especially because if you're just complaining about how a family member is annoying or something, if it doesn't impact the patient's story and isn't like super relevant information like they're gonna quickly make themselves known as annoying to me whether i know ahead of time or not like i'll find that out for myself if someone's annoying yeah. they're annoying so us talking about that doesn't feel necessary if there's a difficult issue of like hey daughter wants to be full code son says dnr you know if, if we're talking about dynamics like that where you're gonna have to be careful and tread carefully and sure. or you know Family doesn't want to talk about hospice. They screamed at me when we talked about it, like, don't bring it up. It's really sensitive. You know, there's, I feel like there's different things that are worth sharing. Yeah. But if it's just about personality stuff, unless you really have a warning for me, I don't know that you need to project that onto my day.
1: You know, that's a really valid point that you're making and I hear where you're coming from and I'm not disagreeing with it, but just to counter that point, to have a balanced approach here... Would you rather know up front what you're walking into or be, like, blasted in the
0: face by it? I would rather... I personally would rather know up front. Okay. If we're talking about there are two trains of thought of either do it or don't, I think yeah. overarchingly don't. Personally, I I like the hot goss. <laughs> I like to be nosy. I tend to be a more pessimistic approach in general just being honest about myself (laughs) about myself so as if anyone listening couldn't you know doesn't agree with that but (laughs) i also like feeling validated when because like you know say say you're really just not hitting it off with a patient or their family member or whatever that can feel really shitty and then when you hear from someone else that they had a terrible time with them it's something really validating about like okay so it's not a me thing it wasn't me; it's a them thing. Yeah, it's a them yeah. thing, and like that feels validating.
1: Yeah, I can understand that. And the other part of that is too: if I know right up front that the my the offgoing nurse had just a terrible time with them, it also kind of allows me to go in there with a little bit of a different approach. Yeah, like maybe for sure. Maybe I'm going to try a different strategy. Maybe I'm going to do like a killing with kindness. Maybe I'm going to, you know, I don't yeah, know, coming in
0: late on thick and yeah. Yeah, I agree. And like, I I think it's good to share what things were or were not successful. Yeah. But I do think it matters how it's phrased. And maybe that's something that people who are leaving a a miserable 12 hour shift really are going to struggle with. Mm -hmm. But I have watched it happen, especially when people and here's a a caveat to all this. When people are new Mm -hmm. and you're giving them report, man, can we not let the new ones have just like moments of happiness in this job (laughs) please oh man you know there's an i feel like there's an urgency to to like take the wind out of their sails sometimes
1: (laughs) well as you said like misery likes company rather know that it's everybody else so maybe maybe the nurses are just like they're a shit show and welcome to it you know i mean i don't know so it sounds like We're giving conflicting opinions on this because you're saying, personally, you would want to be heads up and know about the annoying
0: family members and things like that. Yes, but I also do, it does impact me. Yeah, for sure. And so so to to S's point about, she doesn't like walking in with, now that's a personal preference. She doesn't like walking in with bias. I like walking in with as much information as possible, negative or positive or in between. But mm-hmm. she doesn't want to walk in and treat someone differently based on the fact that they had a bad shift beforehand. and i I understand that.
1: How do we navigate that? How do we know how do we know what information to give to whom?
0: I mean, I would think that there's probably a little bit of superfluous information, like personal stuff being passed back and forth in report and in terms of like, Again, if the wife is needy and annoying and has a lot of questions, I'm going to find that out anyway. Mm -hmm. But for me to go in and treat her like she's annoying before I've even met her, that's not going to work. And I think people who have difficulty separating themselves may find themselves walking in like that
1: yeah but if you don't know that she's needy and annoying then what happens is you run into that room to do something real quick and you get stuck in there for an
0: hour and i mean you can't you're right out. yeah or you're giving them kind of write-off answers you're like oh the doctor will be in soon and like that's not yeah. gonna fly right so <sighs> yeah
1: us us i don't i don't know what to tell you
0: <laughs> <laughs> i don't know either i thought i mean i have strong opinions about it but also i see where you're coming from
1: I do. Yeah. I 100% if I walk into report and somebody's like, oh my god, this family is the worst. And I'm like, oh great, here we Ugh, go. Great. Okay. Here we fucking go. Yep. Of course. I feel that way too. But would I rather know that than not know it? I think so. Yeah. I don't know. I, I feel like when I'm given that kind of information, it prepares me ahead of time and I might enter that room with a different approach
0: than I would have otherwise. I agree. I also think that Something that we don't have to dive into, but we've talked about briefly before and we've talked about between you and me of like different things we want to talk about on the podcast Mm -hmm. is um, implicit bias and different things that people might be passing on or saying that's not necessarily based in total truth and is Mm -hmm. extrapolated. Mm hmm. But also, like, you know, I'm thinking specifically, like, oh, this patient's a total drug seeker, you're going to have a long shift, constantly asking me blah, 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 you know, that may very well be just a thousand percent true. I'm sure it is a lot of the time. Great. But you really, and like nurses, and like you know this from the ER, like, you know, you need to be prepared of like what kind of conversation you're going to have, what what boundaries do I need to set up, and specifically for this whole topic, what boundaries have been laid out before I walk in so that they can't manipulate yeah. me. Yeah.
1: And maybe that's a better way to present that information than yeah. just being like, oh my god, total drug seeker. Yeah, hot mess. Come about it like Look, this patient is exhibiting drug-seeking behavior. This is the kind of boundaries we've set up. We're putting these the times that his meds are due on the whiteboard, mm-hmm. and we're doing X, Y, and Z. He's very well aware that we've reached out to the physicians multiple times. The physician's not going to increase the meds at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, maybe he asks the about conversation Benadryl every like
0: time. He's been told no by the physician. Right. Don't ask the physician again. They're going to say no. Like he thinks he can run you around. Whatever it's going to mm-hmm. be. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a little bit different than just being like, Ugh, you know, yeah. so.
0: But, that, but it's, it's essentially the same information, except one is professional, <laughs> professionally presented and one is emotion based. Which that goes back to that professional conduct yeah. that nobody is
1: ever taught. No, it matters.
0: <sighs> it I matters. Know. OK, so
1: S, uh, I guess our final answer is present the information in a professional way.
0: Yes. Not just venting. And your feelings are always going to be a part of it. That's your person. That's what it is. But the next person doesn't deserve to have their day preemptively ruined because you had a shitty shift. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Okay. Moving on. Okay. Hope that helped us. (laughs) All right. I know you have one. Somebody's asking for advice and then we'll get into our topic.
0: Yes. This is from E. Hi, E. Hi, all. I know the most important election in history is happening right now and I don't want to take away from that. Okay. But I need some advice. I am currently working in fertility, graduated May 2020. Congratulations, E, welcome. Welcome. And I like the job a lot and think it's very important field with great work to be doing along with convenient scheduling, days, one to two days on call, and full benefits. Cool. However, I may be getting an offer for med surge experience at a level one trauma center. I am conflicted because I am nervous about the life change when it comes to nights and everything the hospital entails. I also have worked at this specialty office for less than 6 months. If I get the offer, should I take it? Any advice helps. Please with a heart.
1: <laughs> well, e, this comes down to a really personal choice and I will tell you, the grass is not always greener. Mhm. But you are painting yourself into a very small corner doing what you're doing mm-hmm. because at some point in your career, if you want to go somewhere else, you have essentially no experience Crosswater in the hospital.
0: Skills. Yeah.
1: And that is going to be like a training a brand new grad nurse. And so the things that you learned in nursing school that you would... Hone
0: as opposed to have to relearn.
1: Yeah, the things that you would build on from nursing school in your first year out of nursing you I mean you're going to be starting from scratch what I would recommend personally I don't know if your personal life allows for this and this is what I did also is I would take like a contingent job in the hospital working med surge and get that experience and then keep working in the fertility clinic that you love that you're really enjoying doing and that way you're expanding your horizons so if you ever get into a situation where you decide you don't want to stay in that role, you have more flexibility to move because it's going to be tough to move out of that specialty that
0: you're in without any clinical experience. I agree. I think that's a a great suggestion. And that's something that people don't do or talk about often enough, which is Mm -hmm. part of the flexibility of nursing is holding positions in numerous places. Yeah. And yeah, is it not as straightforward as I work three twelves at this floor and that's the long and short of it. Then I have my four days off and it's glorious. Oh, well, sure. Right. But there's the the whole point. Remember, that's the whole point of nursing, flexibility right. and making your own schedule and X, Y and Z. Like, yeah, we already don't work, you know, quote unquote, standard hours and schedule. So like, let's use it to our advantage. Like you have an opportunity to explore something important. It sounds like you recognize that you want med surge experience. You don't want to go to nights. I don't understand that. Although I will say, anytime you're ready to leave that job, you're going to go be going to nights almost certainly. For sure. So whether it's yeah. now, six months from now, or three years from now. Right. That's likely going to be what you do regardless. So why not go now, get your nights out of the way, and then you can advance to days and uh, a little bit soon, whatever. I also don't yeah. think that like, yeah, six months there, that's short. You would probably, I don't know that you'd burn a bridge necessarily because people understand that people move on. Mm. I don't know that there's a big difference between leaving now versus six months from now in terms of your current job and how they feel about you. Like if they're mad that you're leaving before you've put in a good time there, six months versus a year, I don't know that that makes a huge difference. Or you could stay contingent at your current job.
1: Yeah, you could see if they would let you drop Keep down the like timer time or, or do you know, I guess it just depends on who's like where you want to get your benefit. I mean, there's so many other factors that play into Where do you want to get your benefits? Yeah. I will say, though, doing med surge
0: at a level one trauma facility is going to be very good experience. I think it's going to open way more doors no matter what you want to do in the future. Yeah. Even if it's continuing to work at your current place or whatever, your skill set is going to be so different. I mean, I think it's yeah. really if you're willing to do it, I think you should do med search. I think that's valuable.
1: Yeah, but if you're really happy where you are, there's really no replacement for that, but you don't have a crystal ball to say I'm going to be happy for 10 years or mm-hmm. 20 years or 30 years. You might find yourself getting bored with this job after a couple years. Yeah. And then and,
0: and then, then you, what do you kind do? of
1: yeah, then what do you do? So, if you're able to keep the job where you're happy, and work contingent getting the experience you need to build that resume and build that experience. That's what I would do, hands down. But there's pros and cons to both ways, and only you can be the decider of that. So
0: you're going to have to do some soul searching, E. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you got a little spoiled fresh out of school getting a day shift job. I with know, the real super
1: schedule. Spo- <laughs> super spoiled. <laughs> so, anyway, welcome to nursing. We hope uh we hope you spend some time pondering it and make the decision that's right for you. Let us know what yeah, you end up deciding. Yeah, let us deciding. know what you do. All right, good luck to you. Okay, moving on. Well, we'll get into the topic today, which is are nurses a dime a dozen? Last week, we talked briefly about somebody that wrote us in, and the CEO of their facility had made a comment, and we've gotten quite a few comments on that, Mm -hmm. and so I was doing a little... Actually, I was perusing my Facebook, and I saw somebody wrote an article that fit right into it, and I thought, you know what? This is a good article. It's like a quick five-minute read. I will read it to you guys but I think that it's really important because I want to know your opinions on it. The article was posted on Facebook. It's written by Ira John Cites III on November 2nd, 2020. This is hot off the press. It's hot off the press. And it says, nurses are only seen as replaceable numbers. And I was drawn to this because we had just had this comment made. Mm Mm-hmm. So I'm going to read it. It says, I am seeing this trend more and more lately. Move over, Sally. There is someone younger, more energetic than you, and cheaper. You better watch your back, Sally, or you will, or you will, oh, they for, that's a spelling error. Well, wow. yeah. Or you will riding the Unemployment Express. It should be, you will be riding the Unemployment Express. Yeah. Sounds a bit vicious, doesn't it? This is the reality that nurses across America are experiencing right now. You wonder why nurses have to shut their mouths. I'm going to tell you why. I speak from experience. I know what it feels like to be actually told this horrific phrase, quote, You are only a number here. I can have someone else fill your job in an instant, unquote. Those words crushed my soul. I was one of the most experienced nurses on the unit with 15 years under my belt in the same department. I needed help from my manager. I was being bullied by many other nurses on the unit for petty cattiness. It was all gossip, lies, and entertainment for the bullies, but it was taking its toll on me. I needed to be backed up and supported. I was scared to be alone at work, and I was getting written up on almost a daily basis by my main bully, the assistant charge nurse. She wanted me gone desperately. I was sick to my stomach coming into work, and I had a deep-seated fear that I would be fired. I knew it was time to sit down with my actual manager and have a heart-to-heart. I was naive because I imagined that she would have my back once she heard what was going on. What a joke. When I explained my story in detail to my manager, I was in tears. What shocked me was that she wasn't surprised at all and actually knew what was happening. Mm. Not once did she pull me in the office to check on me. She probably was laughing it up with my bullies and could care less. At my wits end, I explained to her that I felt isolated and felt like I didn't fit in anymore. I asked her for help in this situation. The response I got was shocking. I can still feel my heart racing even now as I type this. She turned to me, looked me dead in the eyes, and gave me some horrible suggestions, only these were not the suggestions I ever expected to hear. She actually began to en- to encourage me to transfer, find another job, or just quit. That is when she said that horrible statement, quote, you are only a number here. I can have someone else fill your job in an instant, unquote. She then proceeded to tell me that sometimes people outgrow their jobs and just need to find something else in order to make them happy. I was angry. I was emotional. I was frustrated. I immediately became defensive and upset. I felt like I needed to defend myself. I remember telling her that I was happy with my job. I loved my patients and the actual job itself. I reminded her of all the positive press-gainy comments I had, compliment cards, etc. My manager said to me as she shrugged her shoulders, quote, I know you're good with your patients, but you're making conflict on the unit, unquote. I said to her in frustration as I blew snot out of my nose, do you even care about losing a good nurse with 15 years experience? I can't believe the words you are saying to me. Her response was shocking. She said to me that she tells all the other nurses that come in and complain the same thing. If they don't like the system, then they can leave. I knew at that very moment I was no longer dealing with management of the past. This was a completely new and ferocious beast. She then explained to me that she operates a system of budgets and numbers. In that very moment, that was exactly what I felt like only a number. A soldier in a budget assembly line, where the bottom line is the dollar. So I shut my mouth, thanked her for her time, and walked out. I walked out with my head hung low, much lower than when I had even walked in. Whoa. Whoa. And that touches on so many topics that we've talked about, from bullying to hospital financials to managers versus leaders, mm-hmm. to uh, you're just a number. I mean, just so many things.
0: Yeah. I mean, my my first probably naive thoughts are like, I have a hard time believing that anyone would actually say those words. I mean. I mean, <laughs> there's no let's way to assume know. assume that they're true. Let's assume <laughs> that they're true. There's no way to know. Right. <laughs> you know what's so stupid is I'm thinking like, you know what? Thank you for your honesty. Because then I know exactly where I stand. Yeah. We don't have to go and do six months of fake, I spoke to them and they're going to be better and... What not what's it called mediation, oh sure. and mm-hmm. you know, forced awkward meetings and try, you know, and like more pettiness and more nonsense. And we know that, like, please write in if you've had a different experience with confronting a bully or talking to your manager about a bully or whatever. But like we know that these things how these things perpetuate and the culture is really hard to change. And you know, you go on and on and on, and then ultimately, the one being picked on or the weakest link or whatever the situation may be usually leaves. That tends to be the, yeah, the style.
1: Right. And, you know, that comes
0: down to that's the culture the manager is setting. Well, totally. She's probably one of the mean girls or she probably was one of them and got promoted or whatever.
1: Yeah. I mean, that the manager is setting that toxic culture. Yeah. By, by allowing it to happen.
0: It's so interesting because, you know, people like to do a big comparison about like the current... The, like, last few generations and the way that they work so differently from the generations that came before. Yeah. One of the big things being, you know, you have no company loyalty and people are really hurt about that. And it's like, well, you don't offer me a pension anymore. Any perk of staying with a company is long gone.
1: Yeah, the companies aren't loyal to its employees no. either.
0: So if there's no perk of me working for the same company for, for 25 to 50 years and simultaneously which by the way like this was true all along they just covered it up better you're just a number to them and this is across really any field mm-hmm. but of course like where like where I'm from there's a few companies that kind of rule the roost and that was like a big thing it's like oh you retired early from from company and they took care right. of you and they did this and they did that and these right. young people have no respect and blah 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 and I'm like okay mm-hmm. grandpa like thank you so much for your input <laughs> thank.
1: You. Okay, boomer. Okay, boomer. Thanks, <laughs> boomer.
0: But to be fair to them, that was their experience. So of course that's going right. to be the the lens right. that they see the world through, of course. But all that to say, I also think those are tend to be some of the people teaching nurses and also we're trying to encourage nurses. Where everyone's simultaneously encouraging nursing nurses to not stay at the bedside but then criticizing the fact that no nurses stay at the bedside. So it's like I don't know what I don't know what people want, honestly. And then you have new people turning over, turning over, turning over, and that perpetuates the idea of these are just numbers because they leave as quickly as they come. Right. That is
1: a symptom. Yes. Correct. You know, and we've talked about that before, too. The high turnover rate is a symptom. Yes. And I think part of that problem is that we have managers and not leaders. And these people that are put in positions of leadership are not taught how to lead. Yes. They're taught how to run a budget.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was an interesting quote in particular.
1: Yeah. They're they're taught how to run a budget. They're given financial tools to operate that budget, but they're not taught how to develop their people, how to mentor their people, how to conflict resolve, you know, things like yeah. that. And, and so you get a lot of these leaders that come, or managers, I should say, that come in and they succumb to the pressure of the higher-ups because they're new and they don't know what they're doing. And they got in that position because they were Mm yes-men. They're promoting people who perpetuate the culture that they want, which is, like, I
0: just see this visual image of just ants marching in a row, basically. I think it's even less thoughtful than that because I think toxic people don't necessarily... Well, I I assume they don't think of themselves as toxic people. They are just, you know, but it's like people that make my life easier. That's who I'm going to promote. Well, they're making your life easier because they agree with you and they continue to march down the line of whatever it is you're you're spewing. Sure, sure. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But, you, I mean, you're you're right, too, It's because there's <laughs> deeper levels than that, but I don't even know that there's that level of thoughtfulness happening.
1: And you could 100% be right. But those people end up in positions of power. And if you want to change the culture, that has to come from somewhere and it has to be supported. So even if it's like a top-down cultural shift, that has to be supported. And if you're a manager of a unit, okay, so like the lowest level manager at the hospital and you want to change your culture, so you want to get rid of all these toxic people, do you know how long of a process that is to replace those people? Mm-hmm. Just from surely from the time they exit to, like, get the new job posted, to get somebody in, to hire them. And you can't do that all at once because there's budget constraints on orienting people okay. and the amount that it costs to train somebody new. And if it's not supported by upper administration... I I don't even know how you do it. But
0: clearly this
1: particular manager doesn't care.
0: Well, and like keeping people is cheaper than hiring new people. So if if you are only financially invested, that seems like an obvious thing. However, time is money. So she's probably thinking like, say this person's entirely innocent in this. I think it takes two to tango, but whatever. She's, I mean, she's probably calculating the sheer amount of time and energy she would have to spend to like dismantle this dynamic. And she, you know, she made a choice.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now say, say your most problematic employee walks in and you're looking for a reason to get them out of there. Even then you have an obligation to a member of your staff to help them problem solve, to offer them solutions, to work with them. Now, and maybe you've been doing it for months or you, I, don't, I don't know. There's a lot of layers to this that we couldn't possibly know. And every situation is going to be the same but different, I guess. But a true leader still is working with that person. It's not this. It's just the cold heartedness of the whole thing of like mm. you have to have the warmest heart of any American because you're the most trusted profession and you're an angel without wings and you're walking around and you're saving lives. And thank you so much. But also you're you. I mean, we and we are a cog in the wheel. That I mean, that's true of any person. Mm -hmm. but run by this cold financial infrastructure. And I think, to your point, like, the middle management, which should be the bridge between those things, just isn't doing what they need to be doing.
1: Okay, or or are they? Because if you're comparing a 15-year veteran nurse to a nurse with one to two years of experience, what do you think that 15-year nurse costs you? I mean, it costs more. To pay them per year. If you lost that nurse and you brought in a new grad nurse, or let's say somebody that has a year experience who would need minimal training,
0: what do you think the pay difference is? Like twenty grand a year? Oh, I bet it even more than that. The place that I started as a new grad, someone who had been there for fifteen years versus a new person, we're probably looking at almost like maybe $50, fifty, forty or fifty
1: thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. You think so?
0: Yeah, I can tell That's you that. Where, I can give you The place where numbers. we work together. Yeah. Well, that place is kind of an, an anomaly for the area, though, don't you think? It is, and the union helped. Yeah. With, with strict pay raises, but I mean, I yeah. think a nurse been who's been there for fifteen years is is regardless of the exact number because that doesn't really matter. It's gonna be. It's going to be more, for sure. And if you, but if you also view nurses as it doesn't, the experience doesn't matter. They're just come in and do a bunch of doctor's tasks and then leave. Like, what difference does it make? And mm-hmm. don't appreciate the value of experience and critical thinking and, and the things that you grow into as a nurse. And mm-hmm. like, that's never, it's never going to matter. Correct. You're 100% correct in saying that.
1: But I mean, if you're, if you're that manager and there's a, there's a cost differential of... Let's, let's split the difference, call it 35 grand a year, right? Um, between a, a a one-year nurse and a 15-year nurse. And you cut three 15-year nurses and bring on three new grads. You just saved $100,000. Do you know what your bonus is going to be Yeah. on that? I mean, I... <sighs> I don't know. I just, you know, this is, we did an episode a couple weeks ago that like the bottom line is the bottom line when it comes to hospital financials and stuff. And if you're so focused on budget and that's it, and you don't care about the experience and you're not factoring in the, you know, the, maybe the rapid responses or the transfers to higher levels of care and things like that, that you prevented by having that 15 year nurse, you know, you don't calculate that in your financials.
0: Yeah, the the emo- the more like qual let's call it qualitative instead of emotional. The qualitative sure. side of financials, it things do add up in their own way, but of it's course. hard to pull those numbers in some kind of like discrete data version of it where you can really Well they're abstract. Yeah. But you're exactly right. You know, if your patient outcomes are better because you have more experienced people, like those things, that, that does matter. And I, I mean, of I assume it... they look at some shit like that. I assume. I mean, I, what do I know? Yeah, but how do you quantify that?
1: And, you know, then the other thing is there has to be something to that because in my short 10 year time as a nurse, I've seen two hospitals... Two very large hospitals in my area give huge early retirement buyouts. Really? So, I mean, like 1,500 employees, early retirement buyouts. Yeah. Well, because it gets rid of all the people who are costing you the most money. It gets rid of the experienced nurses. Yeah. And then you bring in all the new grads and they're cheaper labor. So the question, you know what I say,
0: and this comes straight from my my coworker. He said it first, and I'm like, I it was so harsh when I first heard it, and then the more I think about it, the truer it is. If you're in a hospital wearing scrubs, you're you're being paid for your labor,
1: Mm -hmm. and that's it. Mm -hmm.
0: Now we know that there's nuance behind it, right? But that's not you're not really. It doesn't matter, and we've all we every single person listening can name at least one, and that's you know a small number completely idiotic, useless nurse, lazy, <laughs> you yeah. know, who ne- who still kept their job. There was no problem. Mm-hmm. No matter how many complaints came up, no matter how many patient issues there were, someone's there to save their ass. It's, and I I don't know that it's that unique to any other field, but I don't, I can't speak to any other field.
1: The question is, are nurses just replaceable numbers?
0: Um, I mean, no.
1: Well, you and I know that. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you and I feel very passionately about nursing as a career, as a field, the amazing things that nurses do. Obviously, we don't feel that way. We're nurses. Of course, we don't feel that way. If we felt that way, why would we be involved in this, right? Mm -hmm. But when you look at the system as a whole and you look at the decisions that are made, now, I'm just using my anecdotal evidence on this, which is I watched two large hospital systems in my city offer early retirement buyouts for 1,500 people each. Mm -hmm. So that tells me we want you out of the door because we don't want to pay you that amount anymore.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: It's cheaper for us to give you a severance than it is to keep paying you and bring in these younger nurses who don't make nearly as much.
0: Well, hospitals around the country have all looked at the data and made the same decision it seems which is for some reason the first jobs to get cut and to make exceptions for and to work with skeleton staff and they feel that that's totally fine and safe and appropriate is nursing which is I know, which is I bizarre it's bizarre to me and there's clearly some some level of i mean i'm no no fucking accountant okay like i don't know i don't know what the numbers are i want someone to explain it to me because is it that it's an, a band-aid over a bullet hole of like, let's save some money right now, even though it's going to mean that our staff turns over faster because people are miserable and we're paying out the was for OT because we're so short staffed and or we're paying agency, people, or, or agency or whatever. And which it, it just is an odd, like you're perpetuating so many worse things by doing that. And we've seen that pattern repeat itself a lot. The nursing shortage is not a new thing.
1: no. No, it's not. But I mean, I feel like it has been getting worse and I feel like you're going to continue seeing it worse because the people who are at the bedside are, well, and even who haven't even made it to the bedside yet are skipping over the bedside altogether and going into these APP roles. Right. So you don't mean to be, sorry, go ahead. Well, you're losing bedside nurses to APP roles. Which are going to be oversaturated. It. My area completely is. I can't tell you how many people I've known that have graduated in the past two years that can't find a job. Same.
0: So. Same. And here's the thing, and I I know we have a lot of students listening, so maybe skip this episode. But it's
1: <laughs> maybe skip this episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and here's the thing, like I I and in my darkest, you know, in my lightest, most bushy tailed moments, adore nursing, adore what it means, what it stands for, the legacy of it, the importance of it. The layers of that. Those things are always true, regardless of how pessimistic I may be feeling on any given day. But in my darkest moments, it almost feels like we have tricked young people into this, like, Herculean, almost army recruiting kind of way of this call to service, of come and take care of our sick and needy. And we will treat you right with good pay, good schedule, you know, camaraderie. You're gonna feel like you're making a difference. You're gonna have purpose. You're gonna, you know, all these things, right? And then the flip side of that is once you're in the system, it's you're a dime a dozen. You're just a number that can be replaced at the drop of a hat.
1: Do you feel that that is how we're viewed by the healthcare system?
0: I think it depends on who you would ask because some people in the healthcare system are gonna say yes, of course, and then others oh, more sane heads hopefully prevail at times to understand that like the only reason you have a business is because you have patients and the only reason you have patients that are still alive is because your nurses are taking care of them your doctors are not taking care of them you are admitted to the hospital because you have nursing needs mm-hmm. now yes your doctors are seeing you your surgeries blah, 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 whatever if you are in the hospital you're there because you need nursing care whether we're mm-hmm. acting on the doctor's orders or not which of course we are but like if if everything could be followed up outpatient with a doctor's visit, that's what they would do. If you're in the hospital, you need nursing care. So that's mm-hmm. where the money comes from. Mm-hmm. But we're not technically bringing in the money right. by performing surgeries and having patient loads that are our own that we bring in or in admissions and, and whatever. So, no, we're not... I mean, that's what we talked about the last episode. No, we're not... We're not moneymakers, but go ahead and fucking try and run it without us. What do you expect is going to happen next?
1: Well, you know, that's the interesting commentary because we've talked about this before, too. If nurses actually got their shit together and said no more... Yeah. They would have to do something because...
0: You're right. You're right. I know. It's just
1: we could be the loudest voice ever
0: if And you we have chose seen to moments of it, like when... That woman on The View was, like, the doctor's stethoscope, and that pissed people right off. And I remember laughing with my mom about it, because she was like, they've clearly never come across a group of pissed nurses before. There's no stronger force <laughs> in this literal universe. It's like a black hole. Like,
1: Well, I know, but like, why aren't we as nurses feeling this way about the way we're being treated? The way that we're being referred to as hands, not minds. There's the no way leadership. that we're being referred to as a dime a dozen, as replaceable, as, you know, it doesn't
0: matter your level of experience. You're just
1: a body. You're a
0: warm body. Because there's there's the system is in place, to keep people siloed and to keep people fighting amongst themselves about mundane daily shit of barely surviving in order to not have to look at these bigger pictures of these things. Well, now we're in a time where things have never been more available to us in terms of like information. We Mm -hmm. are, are exist within a global community. There are podcasts and Instagrams and Facebook communities that are you un- are linking us across the world. We're getting write-ins from all around the world, basically saying that it's the same shit everywhere. Yeah. So you're right. And I think the answer to that question is a lack of leadership, really.
1: But is it worthwhile for the leadership to care? Because what they're doing right now by focusing on just the budget and not giving a shit about the souls of nurses is working for them.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're making... They're they're keeping the lights on.
1: They're keeping the lights on. They're taking their million-dollar salaries. They're making their bonus checks. They're running their hospitals. They're getting their government reimbursement. And we're yeah.
0: struggling. To take away from the world and come back just to the United States for, for a minute is how broken the healthcare system is. hmm And this plays into that in a big way because the pharmaceuticals and the insurance companies run the show Mm -hmm. and what we experience unfortunately is the trickle-down effect of that yeah so that's kind of the long and short of it is like money makes the world go around and that's where it stops and ends now i i was just talking with my coworker about um johnson and johnson Mm -hmm. i I don't know if you've seen any of their commercials i know over the years i've seen their commercials they i they have nurses in their family Mm -hmm. they're extremely pro-nurse
1: Mm-hmm. And they put
0: on these elaborate dinners and events and um, celebrate nurses and contribute money and do all these great things. I don't know that there's a, any kind of solution, but, like, I, I it makes me w- wonder if, if big companies took a stand. If we were able to unite in some way and get some... Uh, people with money, basically, some people in po- in positions of power to understand what's going on and see that the long term benefit of sustaining your nurses far outweighs the short term benefit of saving a few hundreds of thousands of dollars whatever. I mean, I'm sure mm-hmm. it's millions and millions and millions, to be honest, but mm-hmm. people have never been sicker. Mm-hmm. People in the hospital are like, I know that sounds so silly to say, but there are so many things that people used to be in the hospital for that they do not need to be anymore People have never been sicker. We have never kept people alive as long as we have now. Mm -hmm. And the things that we can do. And that is be like whether whether doctors are inventing shit or not. Like it is because of nurses that people that these magnificent scientific things have succeeded. Mm -hmm. So we deserve to take our share of the fucking pot. I'm tired of it. I know. How do I,
1: I think honestly if we you know there are theories that nurses should become billable. Yeah. Just like doctors should become billable. Mm -hmm. But right now nurses and maybe, I don't know if it was you and I talking about this or somebody else, but right now nurses are part of the bed billing.
0: Yes. Yes. (laughs) Nurses are a bed. We're a bed. (laughs) No wonder we're just a number. (laughs) I mean, we're and and that's and anyone who's been in charge knows you get a certain number of nurses per number of beds that you have filled currently on your unit because that's the way that the coding and the financials work. Right. Sure. And when you I remember when I was leaving my unit, they were in the process of trying to up staff permanently so that they could have less patients because the patients were so sick hmm. It was dangerous. Yeah. Union or not. Now, the union helped, obviously. <laughs> right, right, right. Which that's I know we've talked about unions before, but that's something that I think is and I there's uh, we've talked about this a million years ago when we recorded that episode. There's tons of pros and cons. Totally understand that.
1: Unions are serve a purpose when they're nursing unions
0: correct. (laughs) But the elaborate process of just to get one more nurse at night. Oh, God. Yeah. You know, it was ridiculous. Yeah.
1: Yeah. and But that's like that everywhere, regardless of whether you're in a union or not. Because, you know, where I work as a nursing supervisor, I mean, I see all that stuff go on and how the how the managers have to battle to be like, I need more staff. And to get that approved has to go through so
0: many layers of bureaucracy. It's ridiculous. It is. And then staff nurses, the number one complaint you're hearing from bedside nurses is about how their needs aren't being met and they tell their manager and the manager says, we're working on it. And they yeah. don't know the the intricacies of it. Yeah. And then they're pissed at their manager because they think they're useless and ineffective, which technically they are correct. They are. (laughs) Because here I am. I don't have it. Regardless of the nonsense of what you have to do, I still don't have it because middle management is essentially useless. They are also a cog in the wheel. And here's the ticket about that. And circling back to the article, your manager is also just a number. Yeah. Now it's a little bit more powerful than you, but only a little. Yeah, it's not that much. In terms of, like, empowering nurses, the person you report to has a teeny, teeny bit more power than you. Yeah. And I'm not saying, like, go around people, because that's not the way that the world works. That's never going to, you know, mm-hmm. have a huge effect. But, God, I mean, maybe maybe it all comes back to fucking empathy. I don't know. Of, like, understanding what, what everyone's going through. Like, I... I don't know. We got to wrap this up, though. All right.
1: <laughs> I don't know where you're going with empathy. I don't know
0: where I'm going with it either. I just feel, <laughs> I just feel like now that article was is shocking in a lot of ways, and I guess I'm sorry that that nurse had to find out the hard way that that was the truth of it.
1: I don't think every manager is like that. I think we do have some managers that are good leaders, but I think they're I think they're a diamond in the rough. Um, I think more often than not, that's the kind of response you're going to get. But you know, I guess the the so the the bottom line is. What is your response to the question, are nurses a replaceable number? No. Do you feel like in the healthcare system today, is that how nurses are viewed?
0: In the healthcare system today, yes. Nurses are viewed yes. as a dime a dozen. Yes. Yes.
1: Yes. And I I agree. Obviously, Sarah and I feel differently personally. I mean, we know yes. that.
0: We know that's not true.
1: We know it's not true, but I think that is how nurses are viewed in the healthcare system. I, I 100% do right now. So I guess it's up to all of us to uh, make a change if we want it Boy. changed.
0: Yeah, let's do so it.
1: Let's throw down the the, on the gauntlet on that Get the
0: t-shirts ready. Let's go.
1: <laughs> a national strike.
0: <laughs> God.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. I'd get, like, can you imagine, like, if something like that happened, like, we'd get hunted down and, like, murdered in our sleep. I mean, truly.
0: <laughs> also, real quick, just as a thought, do you think that, like, there's a level of they pay people just barely enough to, like, live comfortably that, like, they're paying nurses just enough to to be comfortable so that you can't just lose your job by, you know, being a problem child because what are you going to do? But also enough that you're not going to complain so much so, like, keep that sweet spot of, like, keep them complacent.
1: I don't know. That's a whole other topic.
0: I just I'm I'm big into the conspiracy of it all.
1: (laughs) You're going down a rabbit hole. Down the
0: rabbit hole. (laughs) Let's talk about the moon landing next. Let's go. Have
1: to talk about that another day. (laughs) Okay. Put a pin in it. Somebody somebody messaged me and said, "Can you go back and listen to all your episodes and just do an
0: episode where you put a pin in everything?" No, you do it. You go listen and let us know. And I was like,
1: "Can?" And that's what I said. I was like. Like, uh, I don't have time to go back and listen to all of our episodes,
0: but if you want to message me all the pins, we can certainly do that. Because guess what? We did not circle back to any of those pins, so there we have a bulletin <laughs> board full of pins, and there none wait, of them. Wait,
1: we of totally do. We totally do. So if if anybody wants to take on that challenge, by all means, we'll do the episode if you send us what we yes, can. Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you guys have a beautiful week. We love you. Thank you for tuning in. As always, give us your feedback at Nurse Coffee Talk on Insta or on Gmail at nursecoffeetalk at gmail.com. Always write us with your comments, feedback, suggestions, and poop stories. <laughs> That's exactly what would I want. <laughs> Alright, you guys have a great week. We'll talk right, to you next Bye week. everyone. Love you. Bye. Love you, bye.